Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another special episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly show where we talk about a comic or graphic novel, or sometimes talk to some really awesome people about really awesome projects that you should be checking out. I am your host, Anne, and I am joined today by the one, the only, the awesome upcoming star of DC Comics, the writer of Hawk Girl, Jazia Axelrod. Jazia, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here and who wouldn't be great after that wonderful intro <laughs> meant every single word of it this is um for anyone who hasn't been catching up lately dc has been going through this really awesome um initiative called the dawn of dc where we're getting a lot of new books titles heroes everything's starting to get this um really great spotlight that they haven't seen in a long time we're getting a lot of books with characters that have kind of been out of the spotlight for a while and yeah, when we got the announcement that Hot Girl was coming, it was exciting enough. But then hearing that you were on it as well, as a huge fan of um, Galaxies, anyone who's listened to the pod knows, it was definitely very exciting for me. So I have to ask, just just to start out, just about Hot Girl, how did this book come to be, and how did you how did you get here? Um, right. Well, I mean, it came to be because um, a member of DC Editorial came to me and said, "Would you like to write Hot Girl?" um i didn't have to pitch anything they're like we think you would be a good fit for this character it's yours if you want it and i was like i would love to i've been a fan of kendra since uh way back in 2000 i guess when she started appearing in jsa um which I, i picked up as it came out so like i was super thrilled to kind of take the hand of an old friend, as it were, yeah. and um, really showcase what makes her so cool and what I've always loved about her. Yeah, that's really that's really awesome. I was going to ask what your relationship with Hawkgirl was like before this book, but you guys go back a long way, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, to be fair, we did lose some... Uh, we lost touch for a little while there. <laughs> Um, when she, when she left JSA and started appearing in Hawkman, I followed that for a little bit. And then, uh, I stopped following Hawkman. I came back when it was her book, when it turned into her book. Mm -hmm. And, and then Blackest Night happened and I was like, oh, well, but then she came back and I was very excited to see her back. I was like, yay. Um, and I've been following her in Justice League. So it is, it is nice to, um, be a fan and Mm -hmm. to be a fan of this character in particular and then be able to give her the spotlight that i've always felt she deserved who else gets to do that (laughs) it's it's incredible that's 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 awesome that blackest night story by the way was my first experience with kendra so that was certainly the um (laughs) the roller coaster to hop on that's a place to enter um it's not what i would recommend but i mean she is there that's what's been interesting um, about this character is I, I love her and all, but like there hasn't really been a like a chunk of story that's like this is what you need to know to know Kendra. There's not like an mm-hmm. iconic Kendra storyline. There's yeah. a couple issues where she does some cool things, but that doesn't kind of give you the scope of who she is and what she does. We even talked about this when I, I first got the gig. In fact, I asked you because um like i said i had fallen off of the kendra train but i was like is there a story where kendra like it's a it's an iconic kendra story because i can't remember one 
Um, and you couldn't remember one. And you even asked your many Twitter followers if they could remember one. And they couldn't. And then I went and reread all the Kendra stories. And like, there's some good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. No one's saying there's not good stuff, but there's not like one storyline that's like, this is a Kendra. Yeah. Um, she's kind of the eternal supporting character. And what that means in comic books is your story is told in fits and starts if people remember to tell it at all. And it's nice to kind of move her to the front and be a lead. Yeah, that feels like it has to be a little exciting just being the person that gets to like pave that pave that path and be like, I have a chance here to write the definitive hot girl story. It's weird. I'll tell you that. It's weird. Like I was talking to Christy, the editor on the series, and we were talking about hawk lore and the various things. And I was like, okay, to make the continuity does this and then it does this thing. And then in the middle of the conversation, it occurred to me that the reason that Christy could not give me the answers I wanted is because they didn't exist and it was up to me to make them up and that I was in charge of the canon now. And that was weird. <laughs> it's like, wait, I was just, I was just going to shepherd this. I wasn't actually going to create canon. That's what I'm doing. Okay. I guess so. Yeah. No, I'm the writer. I'm the one that creates the canon. This makes sense. Uh, it just didn't occur to me until that conversation that that's what I was doing. I, I love that. Just look at him like, look at me. I am the canon now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Um, well, the first two issues of this book are out right now. The last issue came out just a week ago from the recording of this. And so mm -hmm. far, we're off to a really, really great start. Um, I'm Thank really you. loving um, Kendra's voice in this. How did you how did you find um, how did you find her voice? Like, what was the where where do you pull that from? Like, what when you think Kendra, who do you think of? Well, a lot of it was taking like the subtext of all of the previous mm -hmm. appearances and kind of making that text. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of her um, in all of her Justice League appearances, we don't get to see like who Kendra is when she's not being hot girl. Um, and so my take on that was that maybe she isn't anyone when she's not being hot girl. Maybe she's made hot girl the centerpiece of her life and she's kind of burned away the parts of her that aren't um, a superhero because that's hard for her to deal with. And so mm -hmm. let's, and she just wants to focus on being um, um, a superhero. So that kind of really clicked the character in place for me in a lot of ways. Cause it was like, okay, when she is a superhero, that's when she is at her most relaxed is when danger is happening and she's mm -hmm. fighting for her life. And it's like, that's when she's, she even says, and I'm in my element. Like that's when she's the, her favorite time. And when she's not in there, she is confused and doesn't know what to do and is prone to depression. And um, as someone who's had her own struggles with depression, like it really rang true. That is like when you have a part of your life that doesn't feel that way, then you like want that to be your entire existence. Mm -hmm. And when you're not doing that, then you don't know what to do. So that came very clearly and quickly. That's yeah. Oh, wow. It's the I remember the moment I was reading the first issue and I'm like, this is great. This is great. But the moment I saw her in free fall and she was having all those thoughts in her head and there's just that flashback to her 
cuddling on her floor with the couch right there and she's choosing the hardwood floor instead i'm like oh okay there we go there it is there's the emotional gut punch it was that was it's just I, it wasn't expected but it was i think you're doing a great job of showing the the emotional depths that this character has and i loved also that bit you said about the subtext turning it into text um I remember when the first issue came out, there was a little bit of controversy around um, Kendra being in a Black Lives Matter protest. Right. Yeah. That's um, weird to me because <laughs> she is a brown girl mm-hmm. who has had nothing but horrible experiences with police. Yeah. Like if there's anyone who is like, oh, a Black Lives Matter protest? I'm there. Like it <laughs> seems like a very obvious place to put her. Yeah, and that was um I I love the people calling that out because it's like the the deep digs like you it's awesome know that you know your stuff and you're paving the way um I I think it's incredible when every book seems like it has history on every single panel. Um, yeah, she's got a really great story, and I think the the tragedy of of her is that no one's put it all together in one place, so it's hard to piece it together and you have to like get a little bit from JSA and a little bit from Hawkman and a little bit from Justice League and a little bit from another run of Justice League Mm -hmm. and like with those pieces you can create a whole portrait and so one of my goals with this was to kind of like give people an on-ramp to the character and be like here's who she is here's what she's about here's what she's capable of and here's where she's going Mm -hmm. um and that's the that's the plan for all six issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, say, speaking of pieces, and speaking of giving them that on ramp to this character, Hawk the the Hawks at DC have a little bit of a reputation. A bit. For, um, yeah, for um, <laughs> <laughs> having a, a lore that is about as um, about as clear as mud. Um, how? What were the challenges of approaching that and finding a way to to communicate to the audience? Like, hey. I know it's been a little bit of a rocky road before, but this is how we streamline this. This is how I get you to understand the the reincarnation of the Hawks, how all these characters fit together, and the difference between a Hawk girl and Hawk girl and Hawk woman. Well, number one, I was told when I came on that I wasn't allowed to retcon anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it's like, don't go back to Egypt. Don't retcon. You don't don't fix anything. Just move forward. Um, and that was fine by me because I was a fan of the Vendetti Hawkman series that came out a few years ago that kind of streamlined everything and was like, it's all valid, all of it. It all happened, plus some other stuff, but like, it's it's all there. And I like that. I like the catch-all because um, I think that's weird and sci-fi and I love a weird and sci-fi concept. Um, and now I've forgotten what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfectly. It's it was a long question, but it's yeah. A oh, it's about the continuity, and you're yes. talking. Yeah. yeah. All right. 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 I'm back on track. I'm back on track. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, right. So, like, my goal with this was not to tell a story about all the hawk girls that have been that ever was. Um, my goal was to tell a story about Kendra. So the stuff about hawk continuity that was important is this stuff that affects Kendra personally. Um, so we don't have to go to any past lives. We don't have to flash back to Egypt. Like none of that stuff really affects Kendra beyond the broader sense of, um, she has these memories of past lives in her head and that is difficult for her. Um, and that's really what you need to know. 
Uh, I don't feel the need to go deep into the lore. Um, at least not on this early in the series. We go a little lore deep in issue five, but it's all Kenji related, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, the goal is just to tell a Kenji story and not a hot girl story. Um, and that hot girl was a persona and a medium to tell a story about Kendra Saunders and where she is and where she's going. Um, and, and I think that's the best way to approach something that as convoluted as the Hawk history, mm -hmm. um, especially because like we just had a Hawk series that did that, that like delved into past lives and continuity and all that stuff. And it's like, you would be a fool to follow that series and try to do the same things. And so I'm very consciously not trying to do what the Vendetti series did and instead do something that um, is more in my wheelhouse, which is character-based and also all of the things I love about superhero comics. So mm -hmm. um, we have a bunch of guest stars, which is fun. They fight a dragon in issue four. Uh, we get a we get to go to Gotham in issue three. Like all of the stuff that mm -hmm. I love about superhero comics is in this book. And it's done in the service that's telling Kendra's story about her journey. I don't want to say back to herself because that seems weird because she's always been herself. Mm -hmm. But it's about kind of having her reclaim her character as a whole person and not just a supporting character extension of other people's stories. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I, I love that. I love every bit of that. That's exactly, exactly what I'm here for. Um, say, there's a, a lot you said you wanted to accomplish with this book and talked a little bit about one of your goals. What are some of the other goals you have for this book and for, for Kendra Saunders as a character? Uh, well, I wanted to have fun. Like, yeah. that was the thing. Because um, I've written a, a lot of things and some things have been more fun than others. And I was like, this is going to be fun. I'm gonna have fun with this. This is a superhero story. Like there's a lot of deep emotions here, but it, that doesn't have to be at the expense of the fun of playing around in a superhero space. And so it was fun for me to write. I hope it's fun to read. It's fun for me to reread. So I'm assuming it's fun for other people to read. Um, so even though we do want to go into some dark emotional places, like there's jokes and there's wacky sci-fi superhero hijinks. There's a lot of um, one of the things I wanted to do because Hawkman was a very sci-fi story. I wanted to go to other way and have Hawk Girl be a little bit more um, kind of folklore based and have that sort of mythological edge that um, other Hawk stories have kind of discarded. So it's like, well, we'll scoop it up in our arms <laughs> and have that fun and that mythic resonance and kind of turn Kendra into like the Hellboy of the DCU where she's this sort of rough and tumble monster fighter. And that seems to fit that character so beautifully. Like I'm surprised no one's done that previous. Oh, that is, that is the perfect, the perfect pitch for this book. Hellboy and the DCU. I it's, oh my gosh. And, and you feel it too. Okay. I, I got to get on to, um, some of the, the new characters you brought into this, um, particularly yes. Volpecula, who... Volpecula. Volpecula. Okay, there we go. I like the way that that sounds. That's... It's a little like Dracula, but instead of dragon, it's fox. Volpec... 
Volpecula. Volpecula, yeah. Volpecula. It took me a while to figure it out, too, because I wrote it before. uh, It's the name of a constellation. So, like, I saw it written before I ever heard it. And then it it took me a while to get the pronunciation right, too. Okay, we'll get there. I'm I'm thinking Volpe, Wolf, makes it makes so much sense. But um, Mm -hmm. I just got to train my tongue to say it. She's incredible. Thank Um, you. I I I think she's great, too. I love her. Yeah, I I want to ask like where the inspiration for her came from because I've read so many um, books where it's like we're, we're going to bring in this new villain they're going to be so threatening but you feel like you're going to forget them after like the next five issues. I don't think she's a villain that I'm going to forget anytime soon. She's I think she's leaving a heck of an impact and I think the fact that you're focusing so much on her story and just the the horror around that is is so fascinating. So so tell me about how she came to be. Uh, well, I wanted a villain that Kindred just couldn't beat into submission, and that would be over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to create her Joker, essentially, like someone who has more going on than just their presence in front of you. Um, and I've always liked tricks, trickster figures in mythology. Um, and so when I looked up um, other animals that are... Um, kind of competitors because they're not really like hawks don't really have predators because they're alpha predators but who are the competitors for hawks in the natural world because for some reason the hawk characters don't have a lot of animal villains which doesn't make any sense to me because you would think (laughs) hawk characters would have animal villains but Mm -hmm. there you go uh they can't all be (laughs) spider-man the point is (laughs) uh one of the first ones is foxes like foxes compete with resources with hawks and i was like i love this because um, foxes are usually trickster characters, and I love a trickster character. So let's do a fox. Let's do a trickster character. Um, I was asked to do new villains, and I'm happy to do that. So we were making up a new one that didn't have any connections to any others. And so this idea of this sort of female con artist kind of came into being, and like what she would look like and how she would act, and this sort of like way she would interact with you that was larger than life, but at the same time put you at ease um, was very appealing. And it was something that I talked to um, a man K the artist a lot about because I was like wanting him to get the body language. Right. And I ended up sending him a video of um, Jack Nicholson in the witches of Eastwick, just a clip of him doing a monologue and it's like, she doesn't look like this, <laughs> but she acts like this. And this sort of like broad gestures and this operatic way of speaking that, and he nailed it. Like he, that was exactly what he needed because he, you see that on the page, this very theatrical person, um, but she's there in her gray suit with her gold briars and uh, her very like, attractive but sinister smile Mm -hmm. and you can see how she would like bring people in which I I like a lot and then her ability to like travel down people's lives and change things um but only if you agree to it is this sort of like very much a uh, like a vampire myth kind of thing but also like a, a fairy tale kind of thing it's this nice little sort of folklore ability and to play with that um, and the, in this folklore space with 
a character who has such mythic resonance as Hawkgirl, a woman with wings, something that is in a lot of myths and a lot of cultures. And so to bring those, those two things together suddenly fit. And especially with a character like Kendra, and we wanted to explore her personal life and her history. So to have someone whose power is to go back in your personal life and change things um, fit the kind of story I wanted to tell. So it all kind of came together really organically, just when like, well, what would a fox villain do? And then it all tumbled out of there. And it's nice to have this villain who's like a female villain that's not overly sexualized. Not to say that mm -hmm. she isn't sexualized because she's very beautiful. And I love the way Amanke draws her. Amanke is such a great artist because Amanke loves women. They don't have to be a particular shape. He loves them all. And he will draw them with in whatever shape you ask with the same <laughs> lovingly detail that he will any other. Um, it's amazing. Like he draws super buff um, Kendra the same way he draws Cat, uh, who is round, in the same way he draws Vulpa Kula, who's like, very slinky in the same way that he draws um, Galaxy, who has more of a traditional superheroine body. Same way he draws Aveline, who's petite. Like he loves drawing women of all shapes and sizes. And it's so remarkable. Um, and I really like his body language for Volpacula once we nailed it. Uh, it took a while to get her suit right. We mm -hmm. kept going through a bunch of different suits and he finally got the right one. Like I was like, that. that's, that's it. That's perfect. Um, and... It's so funny though, because I like originally had her have white hair and then it wasn't until he drew it that I was like, oh wait, she's a fox. She should have red hair. What am I talking about? <laughs> Why am I messing around with this white hair? She should have red hair with, with uh, white tips. And it was like, that's obvious. Um, yeah, it's, so it was very much a collaboration between me and Manke to kind of get this mm -hmm. different type of character correct. And he did, and, a fantastic job and i just love writing her she's so fun oh yeah yeah and amanke is doing just her body language alone like is there's so much character every time she's on the page she doesn't have to be saying a word but you know everything about her just by looking at her it's it's absolutely incredible and you know you probably could have gotten away with the white hair there are arctic foxes right but... that's what i was thinking but it was like when he did the design and she had this full yeah. head of hair because i was thinking more slicked back but then he gave her a full head and i was like that's perfect and it should be red. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's completely. You know, if she had the white hair, she'd have to do that Arctic fox thing where she would like jump up and pounce into. Right. The, that's, right. That's, that's, not, that's not. That's not. That's not what we're going for. Yeah, that's not. That's not threatening enough. She says, "Prepare to die," and then she pounces. <laughs> right. So that makes. Yeah, that makes. <sighs> fantastic, and she has some really really interesting abilities too. We have um her. Um, sort of establishing her her cadre of monsters from all the deals she's made in the past. Mm. Um, where did the idea for that come from? What? Well, if we can't have Hot Girl pummel Volpacula into submission, we need other people for mm -hmm. her to pummel into submission. <laughs> um, and to also kind of, you know, show we're playing by fairy tale rules, right? So there needs to be this sort of like darkly ironic comeuppance with making a deal with Volpacula. And the the goal, the end result for anyone who makes a deal with Volpacula is that you become a sort of twisted version of the thing that you wanted. Um, and so we have Maureen turn into this very strange 
horse creature. We have uh, Cyril and Stuart who turn into um, a, a race car person and a, a dog person. Uh, I do love Amanke's like the bloodhound mm-hmm. that's dripping blood and has no eyes and like it's so beautifully creepy. Like when we, I was told the Amanke was on board, I was so excited because it was like we're gonna have the best monsters ever. Um, and of course, when you have someone like Amanke to do the best monsters ever, you have to kind of lean in to the Power Rangers nature of it and be like, we need a new monster every issue. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what's the point of having a man cave there for not designing new monsters every issue? So that's, uh, and yeah, and that's delightful. And so we have bigger and badder monsters each one as we go, um, because that's, again, the fun of superhero comics. Um, So the one in three is bigger than the ones in two. And then in four, we have a whole giant dragon. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's... uh, it's just, yeah, it's just the idea of giving her something to punch. She needs something to yeah. punch. And I love I love monsters. So to have monster villains makes me happy. Oh, it should make everyone happy. The, the right. Power Rangers reference. Oh, God. It's, you got mythology. You got superheroes. You got Power Rangers. You got monsters. You got everything. It's everything. Like, that's the beauty of superheroes is this kind of grab bag. So we mm-hmm. can have, like, it, we have a sci-fi alien hanging out with this quasi sci-fi, quasi mythological hero who's battling a character from folklore who brings in monsters made out of a machine that's both metal and bits of bone and flesh and like all of this stuff. Like that's the beauty of superhero comics is you can take all these little genre bits and you can just mash them up together and they'll all stick because that's the beautiful Mm -hmm. glue of superheroes. And, you know, speaking of that, I've been trying to put her off for as long as possible because I don't want to feel like I'm biased <laughs> towards any one character in the story. But you do have a really big um, side character in the story that fans of yours might be pretty familiar with. This is the first um, ongoing appearance of um, Galaxy. That's in right. DC Comics. So I told everyone that Galaxy, the prettiest star, was in continuity and no one yeah. believed me. <laughs> and now it's proof. There we now. go. Heck yeah, take that, naysayers. Um, but I, it's it, it's so cool to see her here and in her full superhero getup, which is beautiful. Chef's kiss costume. I love the way that Taylor looks so much. Um, and she's a bit older than we last saw her in Galaxy. How did she? How did she get here? What's what's been happening to Galaxy since? <laughs> <laughs> well, she got there um, because I asked if I could use her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the main way because I needed someone to fit this kind of plot hole. And it's like, OK, to do the story I want, I need someone with energy manipulation powers and to have a more bubbly personality to contrast Kendra's stoicism. And I had a list because Galaxy's not the only character that would fit this. Uh, but I had a list of characters that I could bring up if they said no to Galaxy, but Galaxy is at the top. And so it's like, can I use Galaxy in this? And everybody uh, at DC was like, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Because um, Galaxy of the Pretty Star is now in its third printing. So that's wonderful synergy um, there with all the Galaxy fans come into Hot Girl. Maybe the Hot Girl fans will pick up Galaxy of the Prettiest Star mm-hmm. and everybody will benefit from <laughs> two great stories that go great together. Um, but the decision was made to make her older because 
they did whoever was in charge of this didn't want like a um kind of a teen sidekick mm-hmm. feel to Kendra like that that, that we don't want to age Kendra up too much by having her taking on a teen sidekick mm-hmm. she should still be in her early 20s so let's bring galaxy up to her early 20s and that way they can relate more as peers then one is obviously more uh mature than the other and i was like that's fine let's do that that sounds great so six years have happened um galaxy uh is basically just out of college and is trying to make a life for herself as a young adult in metropolis with cat they uh they broke up during college that's not really revealed or important but i like to I have a whole bunch of galaxy lore of what happened in that six years. Among them, uh, they galaxy and cat broke up because they couldn't make a long distance relationship work, but they are back together and now living together in Metropolis, which is a lot of fun. And cat is in law school, which she swore she would never do, but now there she is. And she's good at it. Even if she's not sure that's what she wants to do with her life. I love that. The you were talking a little bit about like um making Galaxy appear for Kendra. Galaxy is definitely leveled up a few times since we saw her last. And um yes. we get to this is like the first time we get to see Galaxy really explicitly and in, in depth using her powers. So what was the yeah, what was the cool part fun. about that? Well, it was both fun and intimidating. On the one hand, uh it's so much fun to actually see her do superhero shit. <laughs> like that's a lot of fun um, on the other like we were kind of like playing fast and loose with her powers in um galaxy the prettiest star as they related to the larger metaphor and story we were telling um but when she's a superhero we kind of have to define what those powers are and what they do it can't be that loosey-goosey it's like well you know she perceives things it's kind of like a metaphor about how you can see a microaggression if you're in a certain frame of mind, but if you're not, it just passes back over you. It's like that. You can't do that with a superhero comic. You have to be like, well, she does this. So uh, her superpowers are more defined, but that is also fun in that with that definitions come the abil- the story possibilities of what she can do and how she can use them, um, which is a lot of fun. I know a lot it was very easy to look at her power set, which is to uh, see and manipulate the energies around her as kind of a defensive um, or even passive ability. And it's been fun to flip that on its head and show her using it in much more active and aggressive uh, ways as is necessary as a superhero. Um, But while she has control over these powers, she doesn't really know how to be a superhero. That's not something that she spent a lot of time doing um in the same way that Kendra has so to have that give and take is like this is how you be a superhero while Galaxy who has instead been a real whole person with a girlfriend and a life uh, gets to show Kendra this is how you be a person and have those kind of help each other has been a lot of fun to uh to do it's yeah it's been a real blast to read them interacting together and for galaxy to be like hey we need to get you out of it once in a while and for Kendra to say okay fine um 
it's and also how great it is that the example of who is a well-adjusted healthy person is a trans lesbian that is not something that we often see and i'm just overjoyed to have her in that role Mm -hmm. and to be like you know who's got her shit together this trans queer over here that's who does she knows what's going on uh and that's that's really great i like that I love that. I love I love the inspiration behind that. Girl, I, I need to be there. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey. superheroes are aspirational media. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Galaxy's had six years. I've had like four. We'll, we'll yeah, catch up. Got, I got, got two got years. Time. You got time. You got time. Who knows where you'll be in two years? Oh, gosh. There's... um. <laughs> It, it's great seeing Galaxy. Um, it's great seeing that that give and take with Kendra. Um, I love her. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the other guest characters. I'm most excited about um, seeing it's Argus, what... isn't it? Do what? Argus is the one you're most excited. Yeah. About. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a there's a huge moment. I don't want to give it away in issue two. The um the big moment with Argus that just um caught me off guard and had me laughing for like a solid thirty seconds. Um. I'm so glad that Argus made a comeback. That's that's my main Argus thought. It's just I'm so glad he's here, and I need to see him interacting with every member of the DC universe because I need them oh to God. be so surprised. My dream is to re is to bring back the Legion of Super Pets with Argus yes. as part of it. Yes. I need him and Hoppy the Marvel Bunny from the recent Mary Marvel series to be friends. Um, we'll see if that ever happens, but that's a dream. I'm putting it out there for the universe. <laughs> hey, that's my world's finest. Um, Mark Wade, if you're listening, <laughs> make it happen. Mark Wade, you need to fill an issue for World's Finest? <laughs> I will do it. It'll be Argus and Hoppy the Marvel Bunny. Let's go. See, are you picturing the Dan Mora Argus? Yes. I'm picturing I am. the Dan Mora Argus, and that's. It's beautiful and angular. <laughs> that is a dog with a fluffy butt. Um, uh huh. In issue three, we're going to get to see the characters head to Gotham and they're going to meet up with a few Gotham friends. How fun was that for you to do? Oh, well, we can say who they are because the cover yeah. will happen. So yeah, um, it was great to bring back Alicia Yo. I loved bringing her back. That was, um, I mean, here's the thing that happens to me. Like in order for me to write these characters, I have to fall in love with them. And I've been very fortunate in that the characters I've written for DC, I've already been in love with. So it was just a matter of like, translating that love to thing but that means that i can't let go of them so when it was when we came to like plotting out what i wanted to do for kendra i was like well we have to go to gotham and see batman and i had a bullshit reason for that because like batman is an important part of kendra's supporting cast in the simonson series the only other hot girl title that has happened like he established that they had a peer relationship which was really interesting at the time because everyone else kind of looked down on Kendra as more of a sidekick. Mm-hmm. And um, Batman was the only character who kind of like looked at her as a peer. And I was like, that's really nice. I like that. Um, so I was be sure to, I definitely wanted to include that in because that was a nice thing from the Simonson series, but also I wanted to write Batman and I wanted to go to Gotham. And if I'm going to Gotham, that means I get to go see Alicia Yo. So we go to Alicia Yo, and then uh, I get to have all my girls meet up and have some fun um, before we start on the main plot. But Alicia too is like one of those characters who like fits 
um, thematically everything else that's going on and that she is a character who's um, by force of will kind of brought herself up to the aspirational mode of where she was when Gail Simone introduced her and she was living in a shithole. And it's like, one day I'm going to have my own restaurant. And like, now she does. And mm-hmm. like, to get to have her be that is like, shows that you, it doesn't really matter the forces around you. Um, you can bring yourself up to where you want to be if you put in the work. And like, that's something that is thematically what we're playing with and, and why we have a character like Volpacula, whose whole thing is giving you shortcuts. And, um, but yeah, it was great to bring her back. I love writing her. I love putting her in there. I love her sense of humor. Um, I love her so much that I finagled a way to bring her back for issue six. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, so like just for a small bit, but it was worth it for me because I, I love that character and, uh, I hope we see more of her. Um, uh, we'll see. I mean, if I have my way and write more hot girl stories, we'll definitely see more of her because I love her and I, I like what she brings out in both galaxy and Kendra. Um, yeah, so we also get to see Batman, which is a lot of fun for me. <laughs> oh, it's fun for me too. Don't tell anyone, but it's, it pretty <laughs> great. um, <laughs> I, I just love the image of, um, just galaxy, this, this bubbly, happy ball of energy right between Kendra and Batman. And she's like, I'm happy to be here. I'm just happy yeah. to be included. She's just happy to be like, she is the kind of fan perspective in that way. And that, like, she's just so excited to be involved in this whole thing. And, like, it things go awry, as they always do. But especially in the beginning, she's kind of like, this is, I'm just glad to be here. Um, because if you look at it from the chronological order of things, right, she's been thinking about being a superhero for, like, six years. And she kind of put that off to go to college and to try mm-hmm. to be a non-superhero person and clearly things happened in college to kind of change her idea of whether or not this seemed like a good life path um and so now she's here and she's excited and she's ready and she's like i can do this i'm ready for anything and part of the fun of this story has been like no you're not you are not ready for everything uh <laughs> adulthood is hard and you're going to learn that and all that stuff. And it sounds mean to say that out loud, but like, uh, she's still my baby and I love her. Oh, it's, I, I love all of that so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just had a few more questions left. And um, the the one thing I was curious about, because this is your, your second book with DC, just as a whole, how has it been writing a, um, a monthly series as compared to writing just a, a single OGN? It's very different um, Mm -hmm. because like 20 pages is not a lot of space and to cram in uh, what I would think would be a satisfying story in that space um, is a lot about juggling like plot points and like trying to figure out how, how long a scene really has to be. Like, can we get rid of, can we do this in a page? Maybe it just needs to be a couple panels. Um, And so that sort of math is tricky. I did get the hang of it by issue three though. Um, so I feel pretty comfortable in that space now. And that's different. I do like a graphic novel format better where you can like 
have a scene sit a little bit and have some space, especially with such a great artist like Jess Taylor, who you want to have a scene sit in that space and Mm -hmm. see their beautiful colors. Um, But it was really fun. Like, again, I approached this as just a fun time. I wanted to tell fun superhero stories. I wanted to do everything I've always wanted to do a superhero story with, which is why they go to Gotham, why they fight a dragon, uh, why they go to a gay bar. Like all of these things are things that I wanted to put in a superhero comic. And uh, I'm just so happy I get to do it. Um, There's a scene in issue four where um, Kendra changes her costume in a public restroom because like, where else is she going to do it? And it just like that's fun to me. Like she runs a new public restroom, and then comes out as Hulk Girl. Like it's that's fun. Like those sort of things are goofy, and I like them because I like goofy superhero comics. So yeah, she carries her costume around in a duffel bag all the time, um, which is something that, again from the Walt Simonson series that I thought was charming. Um, so I included it in here. Uh, but yeah, it's just a collection of things that I find amusing and fun about superhero comics. And that's um, what's wrapping around a much more um, thoughtful <laughs> and introspective story about one woman um, kind of refinding herself and allowing herself to both be someone who experiences depression, but also not only allow, have mm-hmm. that be her only thing. Um, I think we see a lot of stories about depression that's usually people like drowning in it. And I think those stories are important, but I think more common is the people who have depression who still manage to go to work and still manage to have what looks like a normal life. And then they come home and then they are on the floor for the rest of the time till they have to go back to work. Um, And so to tell that story is something I was very interested in. And then to like decorate it with all these dumb superhero ideas um was just icing on the cake really oh, utter, utterly fantastic um the other thing i wanted to ask you about because we've been talking all about um what you brought to the book i wanted to take a second what um what was it like working with this team you have because you have an all-star team oh my gosh book. the talent the yeah. talent <laughs> um a man is amazing and draws everything no matter how ridiculous I ask him to do. And he does it. One thing that really amazed me is way when we first started and he was doing a design of Galaxy, both making her older and also translating Jess's style, which is very figurative and um, cartoony almost, and you know, very geometric shapes into like bringing it into his modern superhero style and did an amazing job and somehow managed to make the character look exactly like an older version of Jess's design, but in his style. And that's been incredible. Um, the great thing about a man case, I can give him reference images and just trust that he gets what I'm talking about and be like, kind of like this, I say, here's a picture and then he'll do it. And he'll do something amazing that I hadn't considered that would be gorgeous. Um, there's a, you saw the cover, the dragon for issue four. Yeah. Is just mind-blowing. He had so much fun with that, you can tell. Um, and there's other monsters that are, are so good. And he just, like I said, he clearly loves drawing women. And that's 
awesome. I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, especially since that's <laughs> mainly the cast. Um, but also to have an artist who doesn't bulk at having everyone be different shapes. Mm -hmm. Like I sent him um, a picture of like a, a female power lifter and I was like, let's give Kendra these arms and didn't even blink, like gave Kendra those arms. And I was like, that's perfect. Um, you know, I gave him some pictures of large black women and said like, this is Kat, ran with it and did an amazing job. Like he mm -hmm. has no problem um, drawing different body types, which is great um, in a cast with all women, which everyone could under another artist end up looking the same. And they don't because a man is amazing. Adriana Lucas is a wizard. Mm -hmm. There's no other way to describe that. Like that guy is able to like enhance mood and in like nobody's business, like everything just pops right off the page with his colors. And I'm just always in awe and impressed. Um, mm -hmm. And his sense of like color combinations and ways of making scenes um, and the emotions and scenes more intense by just altering slight tones and shifting it is just incredible to me. I don't have any color sense at all. I went to art school and I don't have any color sense still. Um, that's why I'm a writer. <laughs> I was a sculptor in art school. Oh, okay. okay. I was I was a, I was an art and English double major, and I was a sculptor. So, um, do you that's still sculpt? different? Not really. I mean, I do stuff for like Halloween costumes and things, but I not in the way that I used to. Oh, that's um, be very cool, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, our Halloween costumes are amazing. My daughter is always the toast of the neighborhood, and Halloween's really big in my neighborhood, so we have to bring it. That's so cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, this year is going to be incredible. Uh, last year, we were haunted houses. <laughs> so it was like three haunted houses walking around with like light up windows. Oh and my ghosts God. flying around. And yeah, we were great. That's so cool. Okay, sorry. No, focus on yeah, the, we, focus okay, on the <laughs> Back to the, because I haven't talked about Hassan. How can yeah. I? Oh my gosh. Hassan, I was not familiar before he came on. And I feel like that's a shame because he is incredible. Like the lettering that he is doing on this book is is nuts. It is nuts. And it's just really visceral and beautiful and artistic in a way that I was not expecting and have only encouraged. And like I'm I'm every time he does something crazy, I'm like, yes, yes, that's wonderful. Do that. Um and when we do finally get to the ninth world, like I, we've already talked about how he's going to do some stuff there, which will be mind blowing and incredible. But like those, the opening narration blocks where it's like, here's a location and here's a time like Metropolis this afternoon or Metropolis last night, Gotham yesterday, like those things was in my script, just narration blocks. And then he's the one who like made them like big and bold and, in the plane of the illustration. So mm -hmm. it looks like it's part of that. And I was like, that's incredible. Um, so yeah, he's also a wizard. I'm working with wizards is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and Christy is an amazing editor who um, is allowing me to tell the story I want to tell, but is also aware that we are making a commercial product and like it needs to be able to be 
read and enjoyed by people um, who are not me, <laughs> which is an easy thing to forget. And um, yeah, she gave, I gave her an outline of one of the issues and she's like, okay, like I've read your other scripts. I know you can do all this, but also this is a lot. And maybe you should consider shrinking it down to give some more space to the scenes so that mm -hmm. we can really ha see everything. And she was right. Like I was writing it out and I was like, no, Christy's right. I don't need this. We can expand these scenes another page and like really get to the heart of this. And it's just been really nice to work with an editor, editor who both understands what I'm doing, but also understands um, what we're all doing together. And that is uh, just a joy. So I've been very lucky in working with editors at DC. Christie has been amazing. Um, Andrew Shea, who I worked with DC Pride has been amazing. Sarah Miller, who did Galaxy has been amazing. Like I've been so fortunate with the editors that I've had at DC. I just hope I work with just those three evermore because they're incredible. Um, if there's other great editors at DC, I would also like to work with them. But if it's just these three women, <laughs> I'm happy because they're incredible and amazing and talented. Oh, that's that's incredible. I'm glad that experience has been so positive. That's it's so great to hear. It really has. Like I, I came in here very concerned, mm -hmm. right? Because like I got to do whatever I wanted with Galaxy more or less because Galaxy was new. Like there wasn't a, any history behind her. Um, I was making it up as I went along. And it was very much like me and Jess together breaking a new story. And so we didn't have to worry about previous continuity. We didn't have to worry about audience expectations. And now coming into a mainline superhero book and a Hawk book at that. So like all of this continuity, all of these expectations. And I, I knew that just by being the virtue of who I am, a lot of people would not be into it no matter what I did. Um, and so it was really nice that, that a DC editorial, that was why they picked me was because I brought in a new perspective that, mm -hmm. um, they weren't getting previously and to give me that freedom to tell the story I wanted to tell and to hopefully reach people who maybe weren't interested in this kind of superhero book and to have that experience as opposed to this is a corporate trademark and you need to follow corporate trademark rules if you're going to do this, which is very surprising and wonderful. Oh, fantastic. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. And thank you for, for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I think the only thing I have left to ask before we go is just um, for the people catching up on this book um, and catching up on your work, is there anything you'd like to to shout out? Anything you want people to check out? And um, where can people find you? I mean, definitely read Galaxy of the Prettiest Star. If you're listening to this, you probably already have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never talked it about enough. So, like, <laughs> come on. So if you're here and you haven't read that book yet, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me specifically? I bet you read the things Dallas recommends you. God. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the big one. Um, yeah, and pick up Hawk Girl. I mean, that's why we're here. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I've been enjoying writing it. Um, yeah. As far as where people find me, uh, jadziaaxelrod.com is the website that has all the links 
Um, Twitter seems to be imploding, so <laughs> it's fine if you don't find me there. Um, I'm on Instagram at Planet X. Uh, I'm on most social media things as Planet X, but whether I use them or not is up for grabs because I usually, when there's a new social media thing, I'm like, oh, well, let me grab Planet X before mm -hmm. anyone else does. And then I might use it or I might not. We'll find out. Like, I haven't touched Mastodon in months, so who knows what's going on <laughs> over there. Um, but if you find me, um, I'm happy to say hi. And especially the easiest way to find me, quite frankly, is to post your favorite panel from Hot Girl or Galaxy the Prettiest Star, because I do um, image search social media accounts to see who's talking about the books I write. And I will reblog that, and then you'll know it's me. <laughs> That's the easiest way, oh. is just to uh, spread images of my work, and then I'll happily thank you for that. I'll give you the little heart, and we can <sighs> move on. Perfect. Nothing better than that little heart. Right? That's um. what we're all going for. <laughs> um, but yeah, best thing to do is, is to read my books. Galaxy, Hot Girl. I wrote the DC Book of Pride, which was a lot of fun, um, which is kind of like a guidebook to some of the more popular and some of the more obscure characters uh, in the DC universe who are LGBTQIA or a combination of those two. And that was a lot of fun to write. So you can pick up that book, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of, some people were thrown off because it's written from a younger audience than um, Galaxy or uh, Hot Girl is, but it's still, I think, a great book and it's beautiful mm -hmm. art. And it's a nice jumping on point for all of these queer characters in DC, of which there are so many. How cool is that? <laughs> um, I always thought there were a bunch mm -hmm. and I had done like amateur research my entire comics reading career, because of course I did, as as all queer um, comics fans do. And uh, it was nice to like get so many of them in one place and have them. And now I know who I want to write next if anyone asks. I've already um, done all this research. <laughs> that's awesome. Any any hint who you would like to write next? If, if you I can mean, I always say this because it's always true, is like every single DC project I do I always ask if I can put Ma Hunkle in it somewhere because I love the original Red Tornado with a pure and undying love and one day they shall relent yes. and I will be able to write her in something because she's the best so that's mm -hmm. that's my answer and that will always be my answer until they finally give in to my demands oh, I Hey, listen, we just got a Jay Garrick book, an Alan Scott book, and a Sandman book again. It's time. It's the time. <laughs> the it's children time. yearn for the 40s. <laughs> we need we need a just a just a refrigerator of a woman <laughs> with a pot on her head. Yeah, exactly. Enough putting women in fridges. Guff. Yeah. Just 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 a broad in the classic sense who doesn't take guff. <laughs> And has a ridiculous costume. Like, of course I love this character. Of course. Why wouldn't I? She's so fun. She's, She's so, so fun. Like, those, those Scribbly stories are gold. Like, mm -hmm. they are such beautiful, beautiful works of art. And the fact that they're not held up as some of the best uses of the medium is a travesty. Mm -hmm. God, every time she shows up in the um, that Jeff Johns Justice Society run in, like, 2008, is just like that... 
old grandma who's just giving everyone food all the time. I'm like, you're the best. I love you. And when I found her costume, I'm like, okay, you're perfect. No notes. Yeah. Hot on the head. Let's go. Let's go. They just don't, they don't make comics like they used to. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? (laughs) Okay. Well, for everyone listening, thank you so much for being here. If you want my personal review, Hot Girl is one of the best Dawn of DC books out there right now. You cannot possibly go wrong with this book. You're trying to put so much fun into the pages. I'm feeling all of it. I'm smiling ear to ear from the time I pick it up to the time I put it down, which I then start frowning because I don't have the next one in my hands already. Um, it's it's definitely worth your time. Check it out. It's making all the right people angry on Twitter. So like, <laughs> why wouldn't you? People are like, they made Kendra anti-racist in this book. I'm like, okay, sell it more. <laughs> Tell me more about how awesome this book is. Right. Um. Yeah. It's it's gonna be so fantastic, so so worth checking out. Um, Jadzia, thank you so much for being here today and oh, for talking with us, me. and for everyone listening. Um, see you soon. Bye. <laughs>